Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. We are here with another crossover edition of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Today, we are talking with the host of the Locked On Bengals podcast, Jake and James. Uh, I've got a lot of questions for you guys about the the Bengals this year. Um, This is a team that is certainly on the rebuild. Uh, They have Joe Burrow, and let's start there. How big of an upgrade is Burrow over Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley? And what are you expecting from the rookie quarterback in year one? Man, over Ryan Finley, come on. I mean, I don't even know if I can, I don't even know if I can quantify how much better I expect Joe Burrow to be as an NFL quarterback than Ryan Finley. I mean, both guys come into the league a little bit older, but Ryan Finley was 24, I think, at the time of the draft and you I've never I, I'm pretty sure you can go back and look there's no 24 year olds at the time of the draft or older at quarterback that have been successful in the NFL Joe Burrow also on the older side for an NFL quarterback one of the few question marks in his profile you can add into that same as Ryan Finley arm strength to a much lesser degree did you see that study they did on Burrow's velocity. There's a guy that did frame by frame. He did frame rate analysis to determine QB velocity, trigger time, and time from identifying where they wanted to throw the ball to starting their throwing motion. Mm, I did see that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was really cool. And they found that Joe Burrow's in-game velocity measured at 56 miles per hour, which is above the 55 mile per hour threshold that a, a lot of NFL teams probably have. And the most impressive thing about his profile is time from read to delivery. He, he blew away the field in this area from, from getting to a read, deciding he was opening and starting the throwing motion. Well, he's not as quick twitch as Tua in that throwing motion. The identification is a huge part of his game. And that really translates to the off script productivity. So for Joe Burrow, I expect him to be able to come in and execute an offense that is generally pretty QB friendly. I expect the Bengals to adapt to his strengths, but where he's going to be able to separate himself from the Andy Dalton's say from the Jared Goff's is his ability to make plays outside of structure, his ability to identify running lanes, make positive plays that way to throw on the run accurately. And his accuracy is generally better than what we saw from Dalton too. So yes, there will be a rookie learning curve, but I, I do think that I expect him to be better than Dalton in year one. James, I've got a, qu- a question for you. You look at this offense and man, there's talent everywhere with AJ Green and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and John Ross. And man, even down further on the depth chart, I mean, you're, if you're getting really down there, I, I like Auden Tate. I thought he played pretty well in times last year. Stanley Morgan Jr. was one of my favorite day three guys from uh, last year's draft. Well, my biggest question comes on this offensive line. It was a pretty bad unit last year, uh, as you guys know. But with the addition of Jonah Williams, bringing over Xavier Suofilo from the Cowboys, how much better should this offensive line be this season? I think they can be a slightly better or a little bit better, but it, it's hard to have much higher expectations than before. I, I know Jake and I have talked about it a lot, and it's it's really just can they be serviceable? Can they be competent? And, and that means uh, don't get Joe Burrow crushed. It, it, you know, don't get him killed. And, and I think they can because I, you're right. Jonah Williams, 
the 11th overall pick in the 2019 draft. He's a guy they're relying on. He's set to start at left tackle. They like what they have at Trey Hopkins, probably their most uh, reliable uh, offensive mm-hmm. lineman, which says a lot about them. Um, and then you, that you bring in Xavier Suofilo. You got Michael Jordan in, in year two. I'll call him Mike Jordan to separate it for Cowboys fans. But <laughs> there you go. Mike Jordan out of Ohio State. Um, and, and so you're feeling better. I think the biggest question mark is that right tackle spot. Bobby Hart's back again, which uh, Bengals fans certainly not uh, big on Bobby Hart. And Fred Johnson expected to, to compete for that job as well. And, and then uh, Akeem Adeniji, the sixth-round pick out of Kansas as well, probably going to compete. Uh, for the starting right tackle spot, even though it's probably unrealistic to expect him to win the job. So, yeah, I think the one question mark, really, the the big glaring hole on this team, and they filled a lot of them this offseason, it is that offensive line. You got a bunch of question marks or, or first-year players like Jonah Williams, and then that right tackle spot certainly uh, is a, a huge question mark. And it was one of the things, I think, if you had to rip the Bengals draft or, or be critical of, of what they did in the draft. It was the fact that they didn't address offensive line earlier. And, and so it's still a, a huge question mark entering the year with Burrow under center. Jake, I look at this defensive uh, defensive roster in general, and man, you see a lot of talent, much like the offense, you know, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins is still fantastic. Uh, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, and then all those guys in the secondary. But why wasn't this defense better last year? I mean, we mentioned the linebackers and how that was a problem uh, for the team, but where else did Cincinnati struggle in 2019? The linebackers were a huge part of it, uh, but you can go dissect the season week by week and you'll find different issues. Early in the season, they got exposed for just a lack of speed in general. When you draft a guy like Akeem Davis Gaither, when you go out and sign Trey Waynes, you're, you're trying to address your team's speed issues. So I think if you look at their offseason moves, they kind of reflect that, but they had issues setting the edge. In early weeks, Sam Hubbard in particular got attacked pretty consistently when teams were just going horizontal. You go back to the San Francisco game, for example, and Sam Hubbard just had a brutal game, just repeatedly exposed in the running game. And then he got a lot better as the year went on. And and the other big thing that we heard, Nick Vigil, former linebacker for the Bengals now, he has gone elsewhere in free agency, apparently was pleading with the Bengals first year defensive coaching staff for them to get everyone on the same page. It sounded like prior to the bye week, the different levels of the defense were not getting consistent communication for play calls. And that led to a series of coverage busts. And it's pretty apparent when you go pre buy post buy that the team was playing a lot better. There were still issues of athleticism throughout the roster. So you see the turnover. One, they add DJ Reader, right? The best nose tackle in yes. the league by a yep. lot of measures should help a lot with the second level because he should be able to control pretty much anybody that's put in front of him. You, you go watch his success rate against interior offensive linemen in the league. The one guy that's given him trouble is Quentin Nelson, who's a generational talent at guard. And even they went about 50-50 the last time the Texans played the Colts. I think it was uh, Brian Baldinger has a really cool breakdown of that game. That was fun to watch. But that improves the second level, keeps those linebackers free. They improve the athleticism there in free agency. They get Josh Bynes as a run plugger. He was from a street free agent to the best Baltimore linebacker last year. And I was really impressed by that. So I was pretty glad with that signing at that point. So they add team speed. They add guys that are willing and happy to tackle in the secondary. Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander, both pretty good tacklers, pretty good in, the, in run support. 
and then they get run defenders in Josh Bynes and, and DJ Reader. There's a concerted effort here, I think, because of the Ravens in the division to add speed and add tackling. And I think we should see some improvement in Lou Anarumo's second year leading this defense. Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for May. Then anytime in May... Post a picture of you or your mom holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author Alka Joshi. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So, guys and girls, buy the Henna Artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. All right, we've got one more question for each of you guys before we go, and it's the same one. Uh, James, we'll start with you. What is the matchup you're looking forward to seeing the most between the Cowboys and Bengals this season? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Andy Dalton versus no. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, no, I, I honestly, I think the it's, it's really, it's, it's on defense and it's fitting that, that Jake just talked up Louie Arumo's defense. How does this defense, uh, starting with the defensive line, try to contain Zeke, right? The, the Cowboys are loaded at wide receiver. What do they do uh, against them, against the the new corners? They obviously added Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes in free agency, Von Bell as well. So the secondary looks completely different than he did just a few months ago. So I think it's the Bengals' defense, how they match up with what's going to be a, a really explosive Dallas Cowboys offense. Jake? Man, I'm looking at the Dallas roster right now, and I, it's much better than I thought it was everywhere except corner. How do you feel about these corners? Anthony Brown, Chidobi, Awuzi, and Jordan Lewis. Not great. Yeah, I know. I mean, not I know you drafted Trayvon Diggs there, but I'm, I'm looking no, for not. something positive for the Bengals, right? And I'm looking at this roster, and I'm seeing Demarcus Lawrence is going to eat against, I mean, if it's Bobby Hart oh, or if it's Fred Johnson. Poor Bobby Hart. Poor Bobby Hart. That's not going to go very well, you know? Um, I look at Dontari Poe and Gerald McCoy on the interior, and, and that's a little bit scary. Neville Galmore coming off the bench for that three-tech juice. And then you got Alden Smith, if he's playing by the time the Bengals play the Cowboys. I forgot about that move. Mm-hmm. So, so that doesn't feel great to me. You got Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith at linebacker. All right, that, that's looking pretty solid, too. The offensive line should still be pretty good, I'm guessing. Tyron Smith still there, Connor Williams, Zach Martin, Lael Collins. I, I'm, I'm struggling to find a place that I feel good about the Bengals in this game. And so I'm looking at your corners. And I want to know, can Dallas keep – can Dallas's corners, I guess, do enough to stop – and for this, I'm going to assume they'll be healthy – a very deep and versatile wide receiver core with A.J. Green, T. Higgins, John Ross's speed, Tyler Boyd in the slot. Will they be able to do enough – to keep it from being a close game where, you know, maybe it gets to be a shootout somehow, assuming DeMarcus Lawrence just doesn't wreck everything. Because I got to tell you, to be honest, every time I play against the Cowboys in Madden with the Bengals mm-hmm. roster, DeMarcus Lawrence has like seven sacks mm-hmm. and I want to throw my controller through the wall. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're not going to be able to stop AJ Green and Tyler Boyd and John Ross and all those guys. They just won't be able to. 
Uh, the Cowboys, they're going to have to just outscore teams this year on offense, and they know that. They're hoping that the defense will be more opportunistic this year and can create more turnovers. But, no, they don't have the talent right now to match up with a good receiver. So that is uh, concerning. Um, I do feel a, a little bit bad for Bobby Hart, uh, assuming mm. Demarcus Lawrence is in this game. Um, he's gonna, he's just going to beat him all game long. But Bobby Hart can go take a bath in all of his money, and it'll be okay. Um yeah, it's that'll be that'll be the spot where the Cowboys have the advantage is, is in the front seven. I expect them to blitz a lot. They're probably going to try to confuse Joe Burrow, um, but if he gets time to throw, I do think he's going to have receivers open. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the Bengals side of things. Just wanted to remind you guys that today's episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you will ever have. I can promise you that. It's hard to even explain just how good Built Bars are. Uh, I tried the peanut butter one the other day and was just blown away by how good it was. Did not taste like a protein bar at all. I swear that you're eating a candy bar, and that's just how good it is. Uh, the best part about Built Bar is they're fantastic for you. They have an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. If you want to experience a Built Bar, and I highly, highly recommend that you do, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. Sports fans, football fans, we're continuing our cross-conference crossover edition on the Locked On NFL Network. Today, we've got Marcus Mosher from the Locked On Cowboys podcast. We've got James Rapine and myself, Jake Lisko from Locked On Bengals. Marcus, Andy Dalton is down there in Dallas. You've got a QB controversy on your hands. How are you holding up? <laughs> Oh, man, there is certainly a subsection of Cowboy fans that would like to see Andy Dalton uh, be the quarterback. We've been seeing that over the last couple of days on Twitter. Uh, but make no mistake about it. This is still Dak Prescott's job. Andy Dalton came here to be the, the, the backup quarterback. And eventually we'll all calm down. We'll come to the realization that Andy Dalton's not all that good. Marcus, where, where are the Cowboys right now in, in extending? And we can get back to Andy, but where are they sure. in extending Dak Prescott? Because I think that's part of it here. Is Andy goes to Dallas and Dak still has yet to get paid. Where are they at in that process? Yeah, so it is a little bit interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll first start with this. Jerry Jones has always said deadline spur action. And the Cowboys don't have to get a long-term deal done with Dak Prescott until July 15th. So there is some time here. Uh, before the draft, the team was working towards a contract extension. It does appear that the they've got kind of the number down that they want. Uh, but the real debate is coming on the, the the number of years. Prescott wants four years. The Dallas Cowboys want five or more. So there's still some uh, tussling going on between those two there. Uh, and then things tragically kind of got to a standstill here at the draft as Dak Prescott's brother passed away uh, during the first day of the draft. So uh, they've kind of allowed him to take his time. They're not you know discussing anything new of you know negotiations. So. I would imagine as we get into June and July, that's when the, the contract negotiations will pick back up. And it doesn't get much better than Andy Dalton in this league as a backup quarterback, just to touch on Andy Dalton for a little bit, because this is a guy that started for nine years. He went to the playoffs with a very talented team, given his first five years in the league, and he was injured for one of those years. Didn't win any playoff games is obviously the long-term knock on him. That's when most people have seen the most Andy Dalton. He never did well in those moments. But for Dallas, I think the signing makes a lot of sense, right, Marcus? Because 
not only do you get a very high quality backup surrounded by talent and the last time Andy Dalton had success similarly surrounded by talent there's a possibility that Dallas can trade him if another team needs a starting quarterback at some point in the year there's a chance that you get a compensatory pick if Hmm. he has any value next year as an unrestricted free agent because this year it sounds like there there were some reports of questionable veracity I think that he got better offers to go elsewhere but decided I want to be close to home in this time of uncertainty yeah, I can confirm that he did get better offers for teams that maybe even would have a potential starting job open to him later in the year. But this is a time where Dalton wanted to go to what he considers a good organization with a good quarterback coach and Mike McCarthy. Obviously, he's the head coach there as well. Um, but he thinks this is a time where he can learn and learn and help Dak Prescott. Um, you know, he is going to play if he happens to play. He's going to be on a team that's very talented with a good offensive line, good wide receivers. It's also going to be helpful that he's playing in good weather for most of his, you know, for most of the season. Uh, that's not something that you traditionally get playing in the AFC North, as you guys know really well. And then there's also the added factor of the Cowboys will be playing uh, the AFC North this year. So uh, he's going to help, you know, Prescott with blitz packages that the Bengals and the Steelers and the Ravens are going to bring uh, and what the personnel looks like for each of those teams. So a lot of reasons why the Cowboys wanted to bring him in. None of them have anything to do with potentially trying to replace Dak Prescott. I just think for a team that's in a Super Bowl window, paying $3 million for an above average backup uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I, I look at, let's say Andy does have to play a couple of games with those weapons he could succeed in Dallas. It's uh, a lot uh, comparable to what he had in Cincinnati during the earlier part of his career, probably better in a lot of ways. Uh, one of those reasons is because of CeeDee Lamb. Marcus, how surprised were you that CeeDee Lamb fell to the Cowboys in round one? Uh, I was pretty surprised that he fell. I think I was even more surprised that the Cowboys actually picked him. Uh, I didn't believe that there was any chance that the Cowboys were going to select Lamb at pick number 17 until I saw or until I heard Roger Goodell uh, start to mention his name on the live broadcast. So super surprising. The Cowboys were going defense all the way in this draft. Uh, they know they wanted to, you know, improve that side of the ball. But Lane was just too good of a player for the Cowboys to pass up. Again, he was the sixth rated player on their board, by far their highest rated receiver. Uh, I think this is just a time where it was too good of a value for the Cowboys to pass up. And you put him in an offense with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I, I think that's going to be pretty fun for C.D. Lamb. Before Goodell announced the pick, who were you expecting Dallas to pick when they were on the clock? And beyond that, what what's the general reaction in Dallas? Are people happy that you've got a new 88 in town? Or is it kind of a split reaction? Because things generally around the Cowboys, I mean, this is a hard job that you have, right? Things are divisive for Always. Cowboy fans. Huge fan base. Yeah, I think for the most part, Cowboys fans uh, love the selection. They love that he's going to wear number 88. Uh, That is a number that has a lot of history for the Cowboys. It's not just given out every single year. Uh, Players have to earn it by basically Jerry Jones's, uh, you know, but from what he sees in in college football. So uh, Michael Irvin, Des Bryant, and now uh, CeeDee Lamb, I think people are really excited. But uh, as for what we expected the Cowboys to do at pick number 17, it was Caleb on chase on the LSU defensive end all the way. Uh, they told chase on pre-draft. If he was there at pick number 17, that's who they were picking. The Cowboys just had no idea that lamb would ever, ever fall to them. Uh, I guess they ran 
um, simulations and there was no simulation. I think they said they ran 30 or 40 simulations pre-draft and it never happened where CD lamb was available to them at 17. I know on the locked on Cowboys podcast, we did a couple simulations and we did uh, some shows where lamb did fall to 17 and we restarted the simulator every time that happened because we just figured that was, he was such a lock to go inside the top 12 that he would never ever fall to 17. So uh, it, it was it was quite a surprising uh, outcome for the Dallas Cowboys. I think a lot of people and a lot of analysts praised the Cowboys for what they did in the draft and the success they had over that that three day span. What are expectations right now? Because obviously they didn't win the division last year in the NFC East, even though it was a down year. Uh, injuries played a role in that. Do you think it's Super Bowl or bust? I know that's the national narrative, but what is it in in Dallas? Yeah, I think the expectation is that the Cowboys should be a better team than what they were last year. I'm not sure that anybody expects them to win the Super Bowl this year in Mike McCarthy's first season. Uh, but I do think they want to see a well-rounded, you know, a much better coach team than what we saw over the last decade. Um, I think most games, Jason Garrett was a net negative for the Cowboys. I'm not sure Mike McCarthy is a great coach, but I think he's getting, he's never really going to be the reason why uh, the Cowboys lose games. So, I think the expectation is you build on from the eight and eight season last year. Maybe they go nine and seven, 10 and six, compete for a wild card spot or, you know, maybe win the division, uh, but definitely improvement. I think the, the the overall goal is to be, you know, contenders every single year. And they've done a good job of piling up talent on both sides of the ball. So maybe not a Super Bowl or bust year for the Cowboys, but definitely a team that should uh, have a winning record. Do you think that the Cowboys traded ahead of the Bengals? To pick Tyler Beattis? Am I remembering that right? Didn't they trade no, up to pick you, him? You're right. No, I, I do think there was the – I think the Cowboys wanted to make sure they came out of the draft with him. He was one of the players that was just so much higher on their draft board than everybody else that was available at the time. I don't think it had to necessarily do with one specific team. Uh, I just think that they would have felt sick if they left day three not getting Beattis. So, no, I don't think it was a, a Bengals-specific thing. I think the Bengals might have – had him on the radar there. I'm just telling you. I, when when I saw Dallas come up there, I'm thinking, hmm. And, and they picked a center. Uh, I, I thought that was the second interior lineman that they picked, actually, but it turns out it was it was not. And, and I thought that for the Bengals, who needed an interior offensive lineman as well, in our opinion, not necessarily the team's opinion, uh, that that would have made sense at that point. Marcus, really appreciate the insight into the Dallas Cowboys. Last point to talk about, Dallas is favored by what did I say? Nine points when they come to Cincinnati this year at some point. What do you think? Do you think Dallas, sorry, it's five points. Is Dallas going to cover that? That seems like the right amount. Now I know Cincinnati is a, I, I think they're a much better team than the number one pick that we saw last year. I think them grabbing um, some linebackers in the mid rounds between Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither, that should help quite a bit because their linebacker core was pretty awful last year, as you guys know. I do think Burrow is going to be a you know quite a bit bigger upgrade over Ryan Finley and Andy Dalton. But yeah, I I would expect the Cowboys to to cover that spread. This is a a Bengals team that's probably still a few years away from uh, becoming a legit playoff contender in the AFC North. Um, I, I would think that the Cowboys would probably win this game by about a touchdown. You know what's scary to me about this game is is really just the wide receiving weapons at this point, mm. but we'll have to see when it even falls on the schedule. I think that'll have a bit of an impact as well. Uh, injuries obviously play a huge part in this. And we'll talk again before the Bengals play the Cowboys 
whenever that is. We'll find out on Thursday.